Hi, this is Larson Hicks, and welcome to my podcast, where I rant and rave about whatever it is I'm currently thinking about, and also occasionally bring in much smarter guests for longer conversations about topics they're passionate about. Thanks for joining me. Let's get into it. Good morning, and welcome to the Larson Hicks Show. I guess it's it's morning for me. It may not be for you, but I hope uh, wherever you are, you're having a good one. Um, I just wanted to get on today and talk a little bit about uh, something that my friend Michael Foster um, posted on his uh, Facebook page. And uh, if you follow him on, on social media, you probably saw it in the last week or so. Um, I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. Um, so he he made this point about um, about this this compared um, changing. Um, positions, theological positions to driving a car and, and how the faster you, you drive, the more subtle your turns need to be. And if you, if you turn too fast, you can flip and wreck your car. Um, so he's basically, he's just warning that quick changes, um, rarely take, um, rarely, um, stay put. Um, so excellent point, um, is actually a point that he and I had talked about before. And I love the metaphor. I think it's, I think he's spot on. Um, and I just want to talk about it a little bit because I think it's important, uh, important point to, 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 uh, dwell on for a minute. Um, and, and basically for me, it's, it's this, um, I, I think there's a real danger here, uh, and, and, um, of just, of just moving too fast, you know, and being the kind of person who's tossed about by every wind of doctrine, um, that doesn't, you know, I I don't think when when uh, we're we're taught when that's um, I think it's in James uh, where where the, um, we hear that um, exhortation um, to not be tossed about by every uh, wind of doctrine. I I don't think that he's necessarily assuming that every wind of doctrine is is inaccurate or 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 wrong. Um, he's just talking about the the act of being tossed about. Um, and that that's wrong. Um, and I think that's where, that's where I want to focus here is that, um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, excited about what I believe. And if somebody asks me about it, I'm going to tell them about it. Right. And I'm going to argue, um, as clearly as I can, as compellingly as I can. Um, and, and I, th- I think that's just natural and I think that's okay. Um, but I do think there's a, there's a real danger, um, and, and I think it's one that I have to remind myself that, that Michael Foster's comments make me want to um, slow down, you know, slow my roll on my sales pitch. You know, I, I'm I'm interested in sales. I, I like uh, convincing people. It's a good feeling, you know, when, when somebody, when you have c- such good communication with somebody that they actually change their mind on something, like that's such a rare experience that it's hard not to get excited and, and to like go, oh, you think that's awesome? Let me tell you about the next thing. Um, and I especially think, um, pastors need to be, um, need to be, uh, put themselves in check on this, on this point. Um, uh, in our particular little denomination, I'm, I'm in the CREC, the communion of reformed evangelical churches. And there's actually, we're, we're experiencing kind of a growth spurt right now. It seems like all across the country, there's a lot of churches who are experiencing growth, and I think um, those pastors need to hear this warning um, to not be uh, encouraging um, 
people to change their views on a bunch of things really quickly. Um, and that seems like that seems counterintuitive. I think pastors think, well, isn't that my job? My job is to teach people, you know, doctrine. I'm supposed to be here to answer questions about doctrine. And if people ask me, I'm going to tell them and I'm going to convince them and I'm going to argue with them until they get it right. Um, no, I don't think that's your job. I think your job is to be a pastor. Um, it's, it's to care for the souls of people who, uh, the Lord brings to your flock. Right. And so, um, that, that means if they have got firmly held convictions about baptism, about eschatology, about, um, fill in the blank, you know, head coverings, um, KJV only, what, whatever the thing is, um, your job as a pastor is not to disabuse them of all of those wrong thoughts. You, the first step, I think, and, and the thing that I think is really important for everyone, um, for every church to care deeply about, it's something we care very deeply about, is Catholicity. It's it's the idea that we um, are a confessional church. Um, uh, we, we have, as a church, a confessional standard, but that's a standard that the elders um, have to ascribe to. Um, it's not a standard that the members have to ascribe to. Um, they have to submit to it, um, but they don't have to. We, we don't put them through an examination and and test their um, accuracy, you know, across every single thing. So when I became an elder at my church, I did have to share all of my exceptions uh, to um, the Westminster, and and so I spent a lot of time reading through, going back over and over, because I wanted the guys that I'm serving with. And for our, our kind of mother church to know exactly where I stand theologically and what my concerns are and what my differences are. That's not what we do for new members, um, nor do I think it's, uh, nor do I think we should, right? Um, because they're not in a, a position of oversight and, and teaching. And, uh, and so, um, so uh, here's the, uh, I think there's a phenomenon um, that, I think it happens especially with like nerdy people who have never had influence over other people, nerdy pastors, you know, who have never been influential. Um, maybe they're um, maybe they're not really leaders um, in in or haven't really been leaders in their normal kind of life up until they became a pastor, and they find themselves. It's kind of like the ring of power. It's like they find themselves with this like this power over people, this ability to convince people just through their words of things. Cause people look up to him. They have the title pastor and they're like, wow, this guy knows he's talking about. I want to submit to him. There's something good, obviously about somebody who comes into a church and says, I want to, I want to understand and learn. And I want to get on board. You know, I want to assimilate with this, with this church. And I'm not discouraging that. I'm just encouraging people to take their time. Right. We, we, um, we have a lot of people joining our church who have different views than our official position on the topic of baptism. And one of the things I've, I've said over and over in membership interviews and, and conversations with people who've come to our church is I don't want you to change this view. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I'm not here to try to convince you to change this view. We are available to talk through the issues, uh, as you think through them. We want to encourage you to, to think through them. And, and, and actually more than anything, we just want you to understand where we're coming from. So you, so you don't, think we're crazy. You know, you've, you've heard kind of the caricature of our position. I'd like you to hear, you've heard the straw man. I'd like you to hear the, 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 uh, kind of iron, you know, um, man, the steel man version of what our, what our doctrine is. 
um, more so that you can you can um, get to a point of 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 having a, a an easier time being charitable um, and having catholicity with me um, and and not um, this view that like wow this person's so dumb don't they see it like isn't it obvious so I think that's an important step um, you get to where you you feel like you understand the positions on their own terms and you're not um, just reading your guys books um, your you know your positions books and your positions people um, you know, do do the work I encourage that but a lot of us don't have the bandwidth for that right we don't have the bandwidth to do just tons of theological research and so I would just say look um, join a healthy church if they don't agree with if you don't agree with every one of their theological positions that's okay you don't need to go into it with a mindset of we got to find the perfect church doctrinally um, there should be some probably basics that are are central to you um, and you and your wife or you know can come up with those um, but then I think um, take your time you know take your time getting to know these people um, and and um, and so, like on the position of baptism, I've always said nobody who grew up Baptist, as I did, is going to be argued over into a pedo Baptist view. That's not going to happen. Like, there's not going to be an argument that's going to get you there. Um, we could stack up our verses, you know, and 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 just go back and forth, and um, and it's kind of a stalemate, and that's okay, right? Um, the only way anybody's going to be argued, uh, in my opinion, in, in my own experience with with that particular doctrine, um, was I understood the arguments. I felt like I got to a point to, to, to where I saw, okay, these people aren't crazy. This is a, a, a reasonable, defensible position. It's a historic position. It's got a lot of theological implications that, um, that make sense to me. Um, and then it was just living in community in a in a, a pedo Baptist church, and over time, starting to see how that theology, that particular position, worked itself out in people's lives, and realized, yeah, okay, this, I I think this is actually right. Like I've I've lived with it for long enough, and seen the imp- implications of it long enough that it's like, yeah, it, it it all adds up, and I think I I think I'm there. That didn't happen overnight, um, and uh, and that's that's a that's I think exactly how it should be. Um, so that's my encouraging, um, my encouragement rather for, for you, if you are in that moment right now where you are on fire about all these new ideas, you grew up, you know, church of Christ, or you grew up Nazarene, or you grew up Baptist and you find yourself at a reformed Presbyterian church and you're just like, your head's on fire. You've got, you're reading Calvin, you're reading, uh, you know, Luther, you're, you're reading all the, you know, in our circles, you got the the reconstructionist guys, you got, you got Bonson and, and, uh, Van Til and Rush Dooney. And you're just like, Oh my gosh, all of these things are so awesome. Um, slow down, you know, just slow down. Um, it's not, it's not going to be good for you to, um, just do a whole overhaul. And, and, and in fact, I've seen, I've seen it. Okay. I've seen and known people who, who every, six months every year or two they were on to a whole new program you know from baptist to like catholic to uh reformed to eastern orthodox it's a that's a that's not a healthy place you don't want to be there right um um gk chesterton says um the point of an open mind uh is the same as as uh 
an open mouth. Uh, It's good insofar as you eventually close on something and take it in and digest it. Right. Um, So that that's, it's okay. Especially when you're younger, you know, I think this is common right after a a young person leaves the home, um, goes to college and goes, Hey, I'm, you know, I think it's pretty natural for a young man to go, I've left my home. I'm establishing my own household what do I believe? Like, what is like for me in my house, what are our, what are our commitments? Right. I don't think that's, that's unusual. That's, that's a pretty normal, healthy thing to happen. Um, but again, the danger is just going too fast, going so fast that you're, that you're, because what you're doing is you're, is you're devaluing the, um, the years and years of catech- catechesis, you know, that you went through, you're basically severing ties with your family and your friends. And, and, uh, that's not a good, that's not a good thing to do, you know? And, and, and even if it's all happening in your own brain, it's all making sense. Um, what about all your families and uh, what about all your family and your friends, right? That you grew up with. Um, um, they're just going to see that you, you are going through a phase, right? And they're going to just wait for you to grow out of it. And frankly, you probably will, right? Um, if if it's that easy to 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 just switch out your doctrine and your theology um, once, it's going to be just as easy to do it a second time, right? And so, um, I think take take time. I want to encourage people to take time on these kinds of changes. I want to encourage pastors to not um, get drunk on the power of their influence on people and and take people through a wild transformation this isn't conversion i think that's one of the things okay uh, this is maybe another way to look at it i think there are people in the reformed world who aren't in who are maybe who maybe grew up in baptist churches where we had an altar call every sunday right and so conversion is almost a sacrament you know it's it's a part of our life you know it's what we thought was essential about church as you end with an altar call and people get saved, right? Um, I think there are people who grew up in that culture and who feel like that that's missing and, and, um, getting someone to overhaul their theology is like a conversion. Like they, they sort of hold it at that same level. It's like this person came out of, you know, a Baptist background and like, I got them all the way in. And it was like, it was like all the lights came on. As a matter of fact, when we interview people, uh, who are joining our church, um, I'll ask a lot of times, tell me about your, your personal, um, journey, you know, just, you know, about your walk with the Lord and your, your story. And I'm surprised at how many times I didn't ask, tell me how you became convicted of reform theology. Right. Um, but that tends to be the story that a lot of folks are telling is like, well, you know, I first read John Calvin. <laughs> it's like, when did you accept John Calvin into your heart? Um, it's a real, uh, I, I just think it's, it, you know, we, it, it, we, we look at it as a, as, as kind of a conversion. And so I think you've got pastors and, you know, former Baptists or whoever, who are looking at it as an opportunity to like notch and you know, get another notch in the belt. Like I, I, I won someone over. I saved somebody from bad doctrine and, and again, I just think that's wrong. Um, I think that's wrong. It's a wrong focus. Um, people are going to come, you know, I, I think, um, I've probably said this in another video, but I think that, um, 
Well, it's kind of like um, virtue, like like um, it's kind of like the difference between you know your your head, your heart, and your stomach, right? Those are three kind of different um, ways to um, desire something or want something. You can you can you can know it, uh, you can love it, or you can you can like um, crave it, right? Like head, heart, stomach, and uh, and we know that the heart, the head is a really really weak. Um, is really weak. You and that's where the the passage in Romans, uh, you know, where, where Paul says, "I do what I, I do what I uh, hate to do." Right. Um, basically, he's saying, um, "I know better. I know I shouldn't do this, but I still do it." Well, that's because uh, you do what your stomach craves. Like your stomach, uh, your craving is so much more powerful than. Uh, either your head or your heart, the things you love. You may love something, but the craving beats it out all the time. Um, and so that's why we're trying to, we want to train our bodies through habit uh, to learn to love and crave the right things. Rightly ordered loves is is the definition of virtue. Um, and so in the same way, um, you know, you're not going to um, just through sheer knowledge. You're not going to, um, to have an actually transformative experience with, with theology. Um, it's going to have to be something that, that, that is, um, developed through habit and, and discipline. That's why. I, and, and so when I talk about keeping our kids, um, and, and that's one of our church's distinctives is we're trying to have the kind of church community, um, that, um, that really, um, ties our children to the faith uh, for their whole lives. And I think that we've been sold a bill of goods with, with worldview. You know, we, we talk about worldview being the thing. If you just get the worldview right, those kids are going to be great. They're going to be set. I just got to call BS on that. I've just seen it too much. I've seen people have great worldviews who can argue with you, you know, quoting the classical texts and the, the theologians and the philosophers who know all the stuff. I've seen too many of those people turn away from the faith. It doesn't. It doesn't work by itself. Um, which is why uh, I'm sure I've said this a bunch of times. I'm, uh, Doug Wilson says it all the time. Our goal is not to teach our kids to. It's not, not to get our kids to obey the standard. It's to get our kids to love the standard. And so we're trying to to inculcate a love, a true, sincere love, both in the heart and in the gut. To use that that example, get their bodies trained habitually to love the standard. Um, and that's why I think that um, your worldview or your philosophy or theology is not going to be enough to keep your kids. It's going to have to be more. It's going to be the tradition. Uh, it's going to be um, the community. It's going to be um, the beauty of those things. You know, the the uh, the liturgy, the habits, the uh, the festivals. You know, the celebrations. It's going to be all of those other things that 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 kind of create a, um, a, a sort of, um, comprehensive, um, understanding and, and, and appreciation for the faith that, um, sh- pure catechesis, pure, um, doctrinal training is not going to accomplish. Um, and, uh, I'd love for someone to, to, to argue against that. I, I think that that is intuitively known and understood. Um, and we just see it. If you, if you're paying attention, you see it, um, that, that knowledge by itself is not enough. 
And so, you know, back to the point, back to Foster's quote or Foster's comments, um, you know, um, you're not going to win somebody over uh, permanently, you know, to your position through doctrinal arguments. Have those discussions, certainly, you know, don't, don't, you don't have to be shy about it, but also, but, but, but check yourself when you find yourself in that like zealot pursuit mode where you're like, I got him. I got him on the hook. Let's go. I'm just going to reel him all the way in, you know, um, just check yourself, slow, slow your roll. You know, you said something that, that struck a chord, let it sit, let it sit, pray for the guy. God, um, bless this friend of mine who is thinking through this stuff. And, and, uh, it seems like today as we were talking, I, I hit, I hit a, I hit a soft spot that, that really resonated. Pray that you'd bless them as they think through it and process it. And help me, Lord, to to not get overly zealous in my pursuit of of changing their mind. It, this is not a this is not a, a conversion you get to notch on your belt. It doesn't get you any brownie points. Um, take your time. Uh, let let your let your way of life, let your pattern of life, be the most compelling uh, argument um, that you're making at all times. And the beauty of of your relationships with your family and with your church, let those things speak louder, um, and, uh, more, and, and frankly, just more compellingly than your words ever really will. So anyway, there's my, uh, there's my little rant on that topic a little longer than, than, uh, I thought it'd be, but, um, it's a fun topic and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, shoot me a, a, a comment or, a I think you, if I don't know if my email's on here anywhere, I think you can message people on uh, YouTube. Leave me a comment if you want me to send you my email address or something. Um, but anyway, have a great uh, have a great weekend or day or whatever whenever you're watching this, and we'll see you next time.